The Freed from the Real podcast is brought to you each week by PureMTGO.com, MTGOTraders.com, and CapeFearGames.com. You can listen to us each week on PureMTGO.com, MTGOTraders.com, and MTGCast.com. Game Master 32, a.k.a. Kia. Hello, everyone. As ever, this is the Free From The Real podcast, bringing you all the news that's fit to listen to regarding the online game and stuff from the offline game which is of potential interest to us. Now, one thing which um, we're always on the lookout for is the next upcoming release. And hot on the heels of Avicen Restored, we're already starting to get a few cards through from Plane Chase 2. Now, remember, they did say that Plane Chase 2 would be online. Uh, we're not sure how they're going to do it, and um, we're not entirely sure on the timing, but we have their word on this, and uh, it will be very interesting to see what happens. Um, right, so what of the new cards has caught your eye, Kia? Um, well, it's kind of interesting, because a, a couple of them are obviously very specific to uh, Plane Chase and regarding uh, the use of it in, in a game. For example, there's one card from previewed Elusive, Illusory, illusory Angel, uh, which is a 3-mana 4-4 four, four flyer, which is great. The problem is you can only cast it if you Planeswalk this turn. Um, so obviously a card that can't be used outside of that. But there are a few cards that have some neat effects. Uh, one that caught my eye, I'm not sure how useful he will be, but is interesting nonetheless, is Ethereum Horn Sorcerer, who is 4, a blue, and a red uh, for a 3-6 artifact creature Minotaur Wizard. Um, and you can pay a blue and a red, and you can return them to your hand. Well, that seems kind of silly, but then there's one word that changes that all up, and that is the word cascade. So basically you can return them to your hand, keep replaying them, and keep getting a free random spell costing five or less. It is a nice little uh, trick, that. Um, yeah, he's not the first uh, blue-white Minotaur wizard uh, with the return to hand... Uh, um, Activated ability. Mm-hmm. And what is the that's other one? A, <laughs> yeah, that's, a, that's a really narrow sentence to have a, um, a thing. Yeah, there's one in um, uh, Apocalypse, which um, uh, had two abilities, I believe, one of which was to return it to hand. Oh, yeah, I remember. I think, he's, like a, he's like a Minotaur, like, mage-looking guy with, like, a staff. I can see the art in my mind. Yeah. Um, oh, what was the name? Um, but yeah, trust us on this. There is definitely a Minotaur Wizard. Um, this is in fact the second uh, Minotaur Wizard to see print, I believe. I think it's the third because wasn't there one in uh, one of the Commander decks? Zedri the Great Heart. I'm not sure if Zedri was. The, I think Zedri was a monk rather than a Minotaur Wizard. I'll have, I'll have to check on. Uh, um, Get our classes sorted out. Yes. Because right. uh, let's see. I know Tangarth Tadroom Hero is a Minotaur Warrior. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Get, all uh, our Minot- but, uh, get our Minotaurs sorted, sorted out here. Hmm. What about you, AJ? You see any cards of interest to you in uh, Plane Chase? I mean, we only have a handful. Yeah. Um, 
No, I do quite like the um, sorcerer there. There's um, a creature type which only tends to show up um, on powerful white rares every now and then, usually which stop things attacking or blow up um, permanent seemingly at random. They've got one, Crond the Dawn Clad. Uh, three green, three white, six six, flying vigilance. Um, so yeah, that's six coloured mana of two different types in the cost, which is a bit steep, to say the least. Yeah, that's uh, but, pretty tricky to pull off, I would imagine. Yeah, with whenever Crond the Dawnclad attacks, if it's enchanted, exile target permanent. So basically, if you stick any enchantment on it, like, say, um, uh, that uh, one which... Um, uh, what was the um, one from uh, Shadowmoor? The... Um, Godhead, yeah, yeah shield, shield of the Godhead. Godhead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which um, quite nicely um, would give it uh, indestructibility and a plus two, plus two. So swinging for eight with a flying vigilant, indestructible, permanent exiling. Uh, that would that'd be, that'd be quite nice in Commander. Yeah, he'd be pretty, pretty fancy then. I think it would have been cool um, if they had added a little more, if it said if he was enchanted or equipped. I imagine probably the reason they didn't is there's probably not any equipment in uh, Plane Chase, would be my guess. But I think that would have been a nice little extra piece to add that could have made it cool for, like, Commander. Equipment's a bit too easy. Um, It's very, very easy to just stick an equipment on the board and uh, work from there. Yes, but if you come up with green, 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 white, 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 shouldn't you get a little bit of a break? Shouldn't some of it be easy? Well, you're already getting a 6-6 flying vigilant creature. Yeah, but we got Titans now. You can pay six mana and get six sixes all day. Yeah, but this is a six six with two abilities and the possibility of exiling stuff. I mean, hey, you could even just sit Rancor on it. That's yeah, that's very true. Good point. All right. Uh, yeah, but a pretty interesting one. I think that's those are probably gonna be the most useful ones to come out of here, or any of the legendary creatures uh, that can mm. double up as commanders. I'm not sure any of these that we've seen are really suitable for play in uh, Legacy or Classic. Yep. Well, Maelstrom Wanderer might be nice in um, uh, anything that um, cheats things into play but plays them. Yeah, that's possible. And I, and he also can make a great commander, being a legendary creature who's in three colors. So, uh, yep. and, and again, giving everything haste and double cascade seems really good. Mm-hmm. That one I think we've known for a while, though. Um, yes. There's one which is Thromok the Insatiable, another legendary Hellion. It's surprising how many legendary Hellions there's been over the years. Yeah, well, I mean, someone's got to be the leader of the Hellions that go around and hell- hellify things. Not sure. Picking a for a motorcycle gang. <laughs> Very possible. But yes, uh, sharing the colours but not quite the cost of uh, Ulash the Hate Seed, you've got a uh, uh, three, a red, and a green for a zero zero with Devour X, where the number of creatures devoured this way is X. Devour three creatures, you get three counters for each creature you devoured, making this a nine nine. Oh wow, okay, yes, because I was trying to sit there and figure out, I was like, for whatever reason in my mind immediately, I was like, well, that's a 3-3, three, three, that's silly, but no, you're right, it's for each creature. So he's, yep. he's exponential, essentially, in a way then. 
Exactly. Devour five creatures, you've got a 25-25. Huh. Well, all right then. Yeah, quite a nice little uh, token deck uh, finisher. Works well with the usual uh, enablers like uh, Michael Oth and uh, any token generator at all, really. Um, or just uh, go turn one birds, turn two um, elves, elves, turn three Thromach the Insatiable, sack the three creatures, bam. That'd be pretty strong, yeah. And also, obviously, they're putting some cards in because Devour seems to be a very common mechanic uh, featured in Plane Chase 2. Uh, we've seen, there's already two of the nine cards spoiled. Two of them have Devour. And then we see an interesting new card here, Brindleshote, uh, who is a one and a green for a 1-1, one, one, who, when he dies, you get a 3-3 three, three boar token. So it seems yeah. like, you know, oh, maybe it's sort of like a chump blocker that gets you a dude, but in this set particularly, um, he works to your advantage with all the Devour creatures. Uh, there's definitely quite a few um, Alaran themes here. Uh, we've got quite a few Devour creatures, Sacrifice themes. You've got uh, an artifact creature, a coloured artifact creature, Cascade on every other thing we've seen so far. Um, yeah, there's... Um, I suppose it makes sense because Alara was essentially five planes in one, and this is the plane-centric um, product, if you will. Absolutely, yeah. and we've already seen uh, we've seen other evidence that uh, Jund itself is one of the planes that you can planeswalk to in Plane Chase, and they've had a phenomenon released uh, that's called like spatial clashing or something temporal. like temporal clashing, whatever. But uh, basically, you end up on two planes at the same time uh, as part of the event, uh, just you know, kind of like when the shards are all kind of smushed together at the end of the storyline. It's quite fun. And I think it's cool, because, I mean, there were a lot of cool things going for um, the Alara block, and there were a lot of fun things, but I don't think anyone particularly wants to see Cascade return to a standard legal or block legal format. So um, this would be a fun way to come up with some new wacky ideas and plays on Cascade without releasing it into the, the masses again. Well, the thought occurs that high-cost Cascade is less of an issue than low-cost Cascade. Mm -hmm. um, if you've got, say, 8-mana, 7-mana, 6-mana, 5-mana creatures with Cascade, that's much less of an issue than, say, Bloodbraid, Elfie for 3, and drop, drop a 3-3 three, three, um, game wrecker onto the board at the same time. That's true, but part of the problem was just Cascading into... All of those, because the Cascade just worked on itself. Like, it was such a weird format. Like, I remember playing decks where you literally just had, you know, you had a, a six-mana Cascade Worm, a five-mana Cascade Removal Spell, a four-mana Cascade Creature. You know, there's, yeah. and I mean, you know, there's something weird about your format when uh, Spreading Seas, like a Seas Claim type card, can become really, really powerful, which it did. <laughs> Just because at the tail end of a um, well, it was a very multiplayer. It was my multicolor format, so um, something which said I turn off one of your lands and draw a card. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it, it just it was such a weird, weird format. Like you have aggro decks playing twenty eight lands because since you're getting extra spells, you just want to make sure you hit your land drops. Like Cascade just made for a really, really weird universe. And hey, now we get to explore the really, really weird universe. So yeah, uh, we'll have some fun with that. And obviously, there's um, it's about a third of the cards that are to be new cards being spoiled uh, have been revealed, and we'll see what else we get. Yep. Uh, there's a 
few uh, known cards coming back uh, there. Uh, the Cascade Sphinx is um, showing up again. Yeah, the, uh, Enigma. Yes, Enigma. Yeah, Enigma Sphinx. Um, so we'll uh, see what we do with that. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, rolling the dice and moving on to another plane, we have a interesting thread, something which started initially in Twitter, uh, namely a uh, as customers pick one thing that we, Wizards of the Coast, Magic the Gathering Online, uh, Worth Walpert, or whatever you decide, aren't delivering or could do better, please retweet. Um, initially tweets, but there's also a thread uh, for those who haven't embraced Twitter. Um, they're leaving themselves wide open on this one. Yeah, and some, yeah, yeah. Worth really opened them up to uh, to the criticism, and I think that's what he wanted. One of the things he did say, because there are two recurring themes you see that um, typically is one thing that people reply to. The first one, of course, being the L word, uh, leagues that you know everyone's going to always throw out. But the other one was uh, talking about communication, and they used this as a good example. They were like, "Why is this on Twitter as opposed to anywhere else?" And Worth uh, did post in this thread, and one of the things he mentioned is that he wanted to exploit Twitter's contained responses so that he could use that information and compile it into a concise report. He said, yeah. you know, obviously he does read the thread, he did reply to it, so you'll still get your feedback in there, but if you want your voice to be heard as part of this report that's going to some kind of management team or someone, I would assume, um, it would be best to reply on Twitter if you have a Twitter handle, you can find worth that at MTG online um, to do that. But also, we've posted a link to the thread on the official boards, so you can read through the responses there and then talk about, you know, what it is that you would like to see changed about Magic Online. And or Wizards as a whole. Yeah, or any other part of the um, company. I made a post myself where um, I looked at all the things where they've over the years, Wizards have often tended to overestimate how big they can a step they can take, if you will. Um, MTGO version 2, version 3, uh, D&D version 4, Gleemax. Um, all these big, huge ideas which are going to be so good, but when they actually get through to them, if some of them get through to them, I mean, some things like um, uh, the... D&D 4E character stuff um, didn't come through for a very long time and the less said about Gleemax the better <laughs> um, if you want us to go into Gleemax then uh, please uh, make a post on the show notes and we'll uh, repeat the less said about that the better yes please please do not do that <laughs> mm-hmm. yep um, it's something which a lack of awareness of how big a task they are able to complete, if you will. Um, it's, it's no bad thing to have high ambitions, but to continuously stumble and continuously fall short of impossible goals is not necessarily a good way to go forward. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, um, you know, as you said, they've, they've bitten off more than they can chew multiple times. Um, 
on a variety of projects across. It's it's almost to the point of um, a systemic issue across the company. It seems because you said, like you said, it pervades even other products like D and D. Um, and I do remember that as well. I was working in a game store at the time when uh, like D20 and all that stuff was coming out and, and other updates thereafter. So you do see those problems across the board, it seems. Um, then again, another thing just looking at, and obviously it doesn't relate to all of it, but just going through uh, the thread here, while I did say the two main topics, and that's the leagues and the, the communication issues, you see that a lot of Magic players have you know, concerns and things they want to change that maybe some people either don't care about or some people actively don't want to see happen. Um, so it's, you know, obviously can't can't make everyone happy, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Hmm. There's also quite a few who are mentioning uh, clan chat and uh, being able to better run, manage, and actually have a clan on MTGO, which is one thing which really hasn't improved much, if at all, since uh, the Leaping Lizards days. Yeah, that's that's true. They really, that's really just never been. People who have had successful clans have been able to do that in spite of Magic Online, not because of it. Mm. I guess is what I would say. It's a fair call, but yeah, uh, take a look at the thread. Take a look at the Twitter. Um, they asked for it, so um, try to be gentle. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but I mean, make your voice heard. Like, you know, if you want a chance to say something and hopefully have it translate into something meaningful, this would be a good opportunity. Because Worth, Worth is a pretty good guy. I think he's generally on our side. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And, no. But other cha- speaking of change um, and things that we'd like to see different, one thing I know people have complained about for a long time is useless daily events taking up precious, precious space. Um, and they have heard us on that because they've recently announced that starting with this downtime uh, coming up, that they will be axing daily events for extended, singleton, both 100 card and standard singleton, and kaleidoscope. Yep. Now, I quite liked kaleidoscope when it came out. But after a few months, it got stale, it got calcified, and then a bunch of sets which didn't really have much in the way of multicolor got released. And it just sort of, well, they tried to um, reboot it by extending it to all the uh, multicolor cards ever made. But it's it's still a fairly limited pool, and it doesn't seem to grab people's attention. Yeah, I think it's, I mean, it's just hard. Like, unless you're doing multicolor blocks. Like, obviously, you know, I think it came out around the time of Alara, so it's very easy to have an exciting, interesting format around multicolored cards then. Um, but given that we only get a handful per set, it's hard to make cards that are fine and okay, but then powerful enough to affect a format like that. Yeah, I think Kaleidoscope was an interesting idea, and I like the idea of them doing maybe some unique formats that maybe are only designed to be around for like a year or two. Like, you know, you introduce them, people try them out, you know, and then it kind of reaches its inevitable conclusion and just wraps up. I think sort of like Block, but in more unique deck challenge, deck building challenging ways uh, yeah kaleidoscope and uh, formats like it should definitely be tried but it shouldn't necessarily be um uh kept as daily events um long after their uh, welcome has expired i mean i'm glad kaleidoscope's still in the system i mean you can you could uh do some sort of um 
player run event tapping into the uh, old unplayed formats which are still around and uh, make use of things like that or indeed say standard tribal or stuff like that once it's in there you don't necessarily need to uh, uh, poke or prod it too much absolutely um but uh, yeah i'm glad it's off the daily event schedule um as a format idea it was fun while it lasted um outlast it's welcome maybe we'll revisit it with um the return to ravnica yeah perhaps um or perhaps they have something else new and crazy in mind we'll see um but mm. it's, it's also just good because i mean there's no it's you know for those people that do play magic online at weird times be unfortunate if maybe you can sneak in a daily event you're like oh this is the time gap i have and the only things available to you are extended and standard single standard. no one wants to play those so I think it's good that you're going to have events that will actually fire in those spots. We don't know exactly what yet, um, but it's nice to know that they finally recognize that those are just wasted spots. That's wasted opportunities for them. Um, yeah. It'd be the equivalent of like a hotel, like keeping a room, like someone trashing a room that's like, ah, oh, we'll just leave it there for a while and ignore it. Maybe someone will want to rent it at a discounted price, and no one does, and you leave it there for a year. And then maybe you're like, you know what? Why don't we clean this room up and just charge it all the price? Yeah. Um we look forward to seeing what they'll put in the schedule in its place. Um, even if it's just, uh, say, standard modern le- and um, uh, legacy or worse than effects. So, yeah. uh, and other sealed events, obviously. Available. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And this, might, this is probably the death nail for, ex- not that it didn't already have it in there, but the death nail for extended uh, that we've been expecting for some time. Oh, extended is... Um, did Extended live past the um, shrinking down to the most recent two sets? I mean, again, you know, Extended as a format only ever existed when we were forced to play it. It was the Rochester draft of Constructed, um, to where the only time people would play it is when Wizards forced it on us as a you know, professional-level event or qualifying season. Yeah, so. well, Rochester draft's actually quite fun. Um I once managed to uh, draft a fairly solid, um, uh, was it 8th or ninth edition, uh, uh, almost straightforward zombies deck uh, with people going, uh, somebody stop him, he's drafting a straightforward zombies deck and nobody actually doing it. <laughs> yeah, <that's, laughs> I, I personally enjoyed the format too, I thought it was very cool. I think I did one on Magic Online and one in real life, like ever. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought it was a really cool format, but I know it doesn't appeal to the masses, so... Yeah, it's to... slow. Yeah, it, it takes a long time to draft. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. That's, um, we do have uh, one little bit of news from the um, uh, people. That's the uh, mocks. Uh, what season of mocks are we up to? Five? I think this will be six. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, this is season six will be the upcoming uh, season, starting after yep. the downtime tomorrow. And the promo we'll get for that is Stifle. Yeah, a good card, good for older formats. Pretty sweet art. Um, yep. It's a lot more reality-based than the more ephemeral Stifle art that we have now. Yep. Um, always been quite fond of Stifle. Um, long used it to um, uh, have a slightly expensive uh, Leviathan or Dreadnought or... Um, whatever 
ridiculously powerful monstrosity with a gigantic drawback um, used to be sitting around. Yeah, uh, fun card. Definitely has its uses. So uh, if you're looking for it, you know, go out there and get those uh, qualifier points. Or just wait till the day of the event and try and buy them off people who go O2 barbecue. That kind of wraps up our news for this week, so why don't we move into uh, prices? Right. Now, let's see how how uh, wrong we were when we predicted these things. <laughs> well, I mean, we're still in the pre-release period. Like the set is not currently available for general release, so uh, these prices are wildly inflated to a degree. Um, and there's no better example of that than the regular rare Cavern of Souls sitting just slightly above $20. Yeah, um, I was sorely tempted to pick one up earlier, but um, yeah, that's gonna come down. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's gonna. Yeah, it's it's a great card. It's a really powerful card. It's um, a card which we'll see a lot of play in standard, in niche formats. Um, Tribal, of course, will love it to pieces. Yeah, but it, in a triple drafted set, a regular rare cannot stay at $20. It's just not possible. Depending how long the triple drafted set gets drafted. Oh, that's true. Uh, um, and I mean, it will be drafted slightly shorter because it, it will run into competition with uh, Magic 2013 uh, part yeah. of the way into its release, but I, it'll still see quite a bit of, of drafting up until Return to Ravnica comes out, and I imagine all non-Ravnica drafting guys. Yep. But still, uh, $20 unsustainable. <laughs> yes. Well, that said, there's um, a lot of um, the miracles do seem to be encroaching on very high territory. Uh, Bonfire of the Dan, for example, at uh, 19.3. Entreat the Angels, 19.6. Those are pretty much the finishing miracles, if you will. Yes. And I mean, that, you know, certainly for Bonfire uh, and Entreat the Angels makes sense. They are mythics, and they have been, they've shown to have Pro Tour caliber success. Um and both of them featured in the winning deck and then also in other top eight decks. So we know those cards are going to be useful and certainly played, and so it's understandable that they start there and may even not dip too much lower from there, uh, depending. Yep. Um, maybe they will, maybe they won't. The uh, removal for that, Terminus and Devastation Tide. Devastation Tide's at 4.3, Terminus at 6.4. Mm -hmm. Um that's more sort of the stay alive rather than the uh, win the game uh, uh, miracles. Yeah, they're the buy, buy my time miracles to get to my killing miracles. Mm -hmm. The quite literal buy time miracle of temporal mastery is 19.37. <laughs> yes. So it's yeah, essentially classes of win the game, whereas in actual it's just uh, target opponent loses next turn, as per <laughs> the wording of the original time walk. <laughs> Yes, I remember this. They're like, man, this is the most powerful card ever. Oh, you lose the game. Yeah. But uh, and also bringing in the bringing home the bacon here is the number one top dog in the set right now is actually Tamayo of uh, the Moon Sage, mm -hmm. who's just a little over at thirty three sixty six. Um, which is not That's the most valuable. Yeah, most valuable thing to come out of Tam uh, out of Kamigawa ever. <laughs> Very true. Um. But yeah, I mean, it's understandable. Planeswalkers always have the mystique around them. It's a mythic. It's good. It's played. Um, 
it will be played, so it's certainly going to start out as the top dog. The same cannot be said for its uh, mono-red planeswalking counterpart, Tybalt. Mm. Starting out at a lowly nine. Nine for a planeswalker in a single set. Um, the thing is, they really tried to make a tempting planeswalker and two-mana planeswalker. I mean, people will play it because of two-mana planeswalker, but he ain't that good. Yeah, uh, I mean, they'll they'll try. I don't know that you can come up with anything. Um, I mean, who knows, though? Just the, looting, the potential looting ability... What gets me, though, is what's interesting is because they talked about this, how they've given red looting, but one of the ways they're trying to make it distinct from blue looting is that you would discard first, um, and yet this card is the exact opposite. It's just normal the draw a card, then discard a card at random, instead of discard a card at random, then draw a card. Well, I think with the random discard, they want to do a bit of the old uh, gamble in that, um, which was the mono-red shooter from Urza Block, um, Search a library for a card, put it in your hand, and then discard a card at random. Yeah, yeah. And so it's uh, yeah. Yeah, but also and also I guess given that this is a planeswalker, there's no way to make the discard part of the cost since it's strictly like loyalty counters, and therefore you could like have no cards in hand. You draw a land, you play the land, and now you discard at random and then draw a card, which would probably have been too powerful. Yeah. Um. They really couldn't afford to have him essentially redraw a card for two mana. No, absolutely Hey, not. have a look at uh, Jace Bellerin in red for one mana less. <laughs> Point taken. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah. I mean, he's a, he's a planeswalker. People will try to play him in mono red. I don't know how they'll be successful they will be, uh, certainly in smaller formats. Just like they will try with another mono red creature, that's a Vexing Devil. Yep. Um, now, Vexing Devil... I'm definitely looking forward to getting a set when this drops a little. Um, although the card I have in mind to pair this little uh, fiend with is um, Proclamation of Rebirth. That's pretty dirty. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. <laughs> turn one, Vexing Devil. Turn two, Vexing Devil, Vexing Devil. Turn three, bring all vex- three Vexing Devils back. Do you want to take another 12 life? <laughs> That's that's pretty mean, man. Naga, that's I hadn't thought about that one. That's pretty sick. Um, but yeah, he's a card that didn't see any success, obviously at the Pro Tour. But I don't think anyone expected Mono Red to be the breakout deck of a block constructed Pro Tour. But he is certainly going to have um, a place to see, probably in like modern, in a format where you can just play him alongside a lot of Lightning Bolt effects. Yeah, um, a Mono Red deck in modern would be uh, pretty nasty, especially since you've now got Thunderbolt in it. Yeah, very true. Um, and also, just a warning to all tribal players, look out for AJ's Devil Week when he comes out at you with uh, red-white devils, apparently. Oh, I've done devils many a time now. Um, it's a fun little tribe, and this is going to make it uh, even more fun. Yeah, very, very much so. A um, couple other just big standouts to just show... How bad people can want some cards. We have some crazy regular rare prices, such as Zealous Conscripts at seven fifty, um, and Wolfir Silverheart at over nine dollars. Over nine dollars? What does the scouter say? Hmm. hmm? Uh, never mind. An obscure um, <laughs> yeah. meme reference. Yeah, yeah you, you you lost me on that one. <laughs> we'll see what the commenters say. I'm sure someone will get you. 
yes. Anyway. Um, but some other ones, yeah, just Silverblade Paladin at $7, another great card. Restoration Angel at eight sixty. Uh, regular rares with just extremely high price tags, and you got to want these cards really bad uh, to not wait a week or two for them to half and then half again and then half again. Well, let's look at the uh, three, uh, four legend, no, five legends, I suppose it would be. Avacyn is currently at uh, 7.3. Gisela, the uh, red white one, at 6.67. Sigurda, uh, the host of Herons, at 10.9, which is the green one. Uh, the blue one... Yeah, Bernie, I think she was um, like $2-ish. Yeah. 2.3, I think. Yeah, passed over it. Thereabouts. And then, of course, Gristlebrand. 12.78. For some reason, uh, being able to draw seven cards seems tempting. Yeah. It'd been funny if uh, he was $7.77. <laughs> Obviously not reflective of the market, but it'd be just humorous to me. Fair enough. Uh, yeah. And I mean, so, and those those are the harder to predict ones. Obviously, we know the regular rares were like, why would you buy it at this price? This is crazy. But with the mythics, like oftentimes, you know, especially if they turn out to be very highly played, they don't move from these spots. Like this is where their price is and will be, and and sometimes will to go up from hmm. um, if they see play in large numbers. I'm not sure on uh, some of these um, mythics necessarily hang around these prices. I mean. Um, as much as I like uh, Gazella Blade of Gold Knight, and I've um, uh, bought a few to build a deck around, um, quite an expensive card. Can't really see it seeing much uh, in the way of play. Yeah, and and I don't think you can see it play as a four of, um, which is typically that's where we see the legends that do have a high price tag like that. The legendary mythics is if they are so good that you are still willing to play four to blow up opposing legends and then make sure that you are the, the top dog on a legend. Like a good example being Geist of St. Trap. Um, yeah. Who you are fine playing four copies of because even if your opponent just wastelands your Geist, then you want to be ready to play another Geist. Yeah. Or Grizzlebrand, who you could um, uh, quite happily combo with. Now, one thing I was thinking of with him, um, do you remember the words from Onslaught? Like words of waste and words of wisdom and all that? Where you skip your, yes. skip your draw to do some effect? Yes, the white one was the life gain. Oh. Skip a draw, gain five life. Hmm. Skip your next two draws, draw seven cards, have five cards, and net plus three life. Huh. <laughs> That's pretty good. So you can take advantage of his ability before you've even had a chance to swing and get the life link going. Exactly. Yeah, that'd be pretty strong. Uh, obviously, even if you had to cast reanimate and lose a ton of life to bring him into play, that would, that would work out very nicely for you. Mm-hmm. I'd settle for five cards and three life, you know. Yes, yeah, it's, it's not a bad thing, especially if you can do it again uh, uh, any time you've got a couple of mana lying around. Or even just uh, combo out with, say, um, um, not squandered resources, the other... Um, uh, prosperous uh, uh, bloom, Cadaverous, Cadaverous bloom. bloom. Yes, Cadaverous bloom. Exile a couple of hands from your card for a couple of mana. Use those on uh, words of whatever the uh, life gain one was. Draw, draw seven. Have two of those replaced with gain ten. Rinse, repeat, and combo out somehow. Right. 
Crossbloom 2.0. AJ, well done. <laughs> All right. Uh, but we've got a, you know, just a handful of prices. You know, feel free to check them out here. And uh, you know, if you if you feel the bug, go buy a card. Otherwise, if it's a rare, I'd suggest you wait. Yeah. Uh, speaking of uh, liking cards and certainly enough to shell out money for them, that kind of brings us into our question of the week, which is, what is your just all-time most favoritist, coolest, loving it the most magic card of all time? Um, People always say I like these cards, I like the style of cards, or these are my top five. Like, if you had to narrow it down and say this is the end-all, be-all, if I had to say it, my favorite magic card of all time, it is this one. AJ, that's an excellent question. I suppose one which I've always been rather fond of is Jaya Ballard, uh, Task Mage, which is the legendary spell shaper who shaped three of the cards which she had, was in the flavor text for, because. I'm a little bit of a flavor junkie, um, and it was pretty stylish to just um, read the flavor texts as the cards um, she was pseudo-casting, just by them being there, so to speak. There was a lot of character in that card. Yeah, I remember that. I, had to, I remember during Time Troll Walk, I tried so hard to have that card be good. Uh, I wanted to play it. So badly. I remember I had some deck that I tried to use that was like a green-red aggro deck, and it had the uh, what's the, the legendary elf of the two mana two two that when you attacked would add two red mana to your mana pool. Yes, uh, it was um, uh, the rather held the kill. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Rather, like, I would try to use. I would like play her, and then I would get Jay out. So that way, I could just attack, get two free red mana, and just incinerate like automatically for free, um, and all this stuff. I it just it just didn't quite work, uh, but I did try very hard. That was a very cool card. Yep. As for myself, um, I would probably say my favorite card of all time, and that's because it, it just appealed to me in the early years of Magic. It's obviously very powerful, and you could play it in all sorts of crazy weird deck ways, and that's Survival of the Fittest. Um, long, long, long before it became excessively overly powered with Vengevine, um, it was played in all sorts of decks with all sorts of weird serial names and non-serial names at a time. Um, but it was just a really fun card. Like, I liked playing it in just, like, utility aggro decks and combo decks um, in more controlling, like, creature decks. Like, it just... It was a lot of fun. And obviously, cut you know, as a hardcore player, like, who plays to win, like, cutting down on the randomization by being able to get whatever I needed at that particular time uh, made it a very good card. Mm-hmm. All right. And uh, as to you, gentle listener, um, regale us with whatever tales of whatever card has reached out and grabbed you from the. Are we in triple? Are we in um, triple thousands yet, or are we just in the tens of thousands? Uh, I think we're just in the tens of thousands. I could be wrong though. Who knows? I'm sure, I'm sure someone knows, um, and I'm sure we'll see that. It's like, well, there have actually been 127,438 Okay. Uh, so many cards we're making up numbers. Yep. Um, that's how many magic cards there are, of which three are playable. Yeah. <laughs> oh, goodness. All right, AJ, uh, what you been playing? I, um, one of the things they've been doing with the Weekend Tribal of late is having a list of all the tribes that have yet to be played in it. Um, at the same time, they have an award for um, the... Uh, 
tribe with the fewest possible members um, to be played. I've been um, basically cross-referencing those two lists to come up with the list of tribes I can play, get uh, paid as much or at least close to the guy who finishes in first place, even if I don't, um, and generally having a good time with it. Uh, this week was the turn of orgs. O-R-G-G. There are four orgs online. Um, none of them are all that playable. Um, but I managed to get a good win under my belt and um, secured both the um, Endangered and the Virgin Prize once more. With orgs. Orgs, I yes. didn't even know there were four. I literally know of org. Like the card org, and that's it. Mm -hmm. Org was reprinted in the purple set of Time Spiral. He also had Soul Gorger Org from Judgment, which was um, uh, when this comes into play, lose all but one life. When this leaves play, uh, gain that life back. Um, Butcher Org from Onslaught, which was the most playable of the lot. Uh, seven mana, six, six with um, uh, distribute this creature's attacking damage amongst um, a defending player and any creatures he controls. Um, trained Org, which was vanilla 6-6 six, six for 7, and um, let's see, was, yeah, it's all four of them. Four. <laughs> mm -hmm. All right, well, uh, congratulations on that. Uh, you know, keep working at your endangered obscurity list. <laughs> yep. I will admit to having a few uh, interesting um, combos in that deck, namely um, using... Uh, Sundial of the Infinite to uh, prevent Soul, Soul Gorge's Org's um, uh, Lose All But One Life trigger from triggering, which also worked quite well with Final Fortune's um, Lose at the End of This Turn trigger. Very nice. You didn't try and pull Especially off the, um, what was it, the, the last stand, whatever that enchantment is that if you are at one life, you win the game? Nope, although that's... That's a sneaky little thing, and I really appreciate the um, idea. That's um, using Soul Gorge Org, and that enchantment is devious. Yeah. <laughs> I'll try it sometime. Yeah, um, yeah that's um, one possibility uh, for future, but uh, I just used uh, Final Fortune on an Isochron Scepter. Oh, that's all. <laughs> Well, Sundial Infinite to prevent it killing you and just take infinite turns. Yeah, seems a little good. It's like a slightly larger version of Time Volt will take you. Yeah. Um. Alright. Very cool. As for myself, I actually tried, uh, I was going to try and experiment and play in some Aviston stored pre releases uh, to see with, you know, the hyperinflated card prices, like what that could potentially do to your chances to. Um, you know, make your money back. Like, is it actually worth it when these cards are at these crazy prices to try and bother with that, even with the reduced price support and lower payout? Unfortunately, a couple things gotten in the way. A, uh, life did. I didn't really get to play in as many events as I would like to, uh, to pull the experiment off. And B, the first Avacyn Restored crew release I played in, I got what is likely the worst sealed pool um, for deck building purposes that I have ever gotten in my life. Um, what were the res? Uh, I had, like, Descendant's Path, um, The Miracle, Wheel of Fortune, um, 
a couple other things. Nothing, nothing big time, nothing prime time that's worth any money. I sold, I sold the stuff off for a couple tickets here and there. But the biggest problem was that my colors, like, were evenly split between, like, half creatures and half random spells. I had tons of one drops and five drops, but no two and three drops and four drops, really. Um, like, every color I tried to build combinations, and then I was, I had, like, eight creatures no matter what I did, and it was just bad. I've had four pack sealed, sealed decks that were much, much stronger than anything I could put together from this deck. Um... And then I had the good luck to run into people who had wolf, like Wolf or Silverheart to pump up their guys. I even had one guy play turn three Silver Paladin, turn four Restoration Angel after I didn't block, sneak it in, and suddenly give him double strike and now have a double striking flyer as well. And I'm like, well, if you're going to play Constructed Caliber Rares against my pile of poop, then uh, I guess you're going to take this one down. Yep. Yeah, it's, a, it's quite hard to uh, win when that happens. Yeah, so between uh, the incredibly poor quality of that sealed pool and life getting in the way, I didn't have a, a whole lot um, of desire to keep going. I actually originally started like recording and taking notes to like write an article, but after looking at my deck, I was like, there's just no lessons I can teach people here. You're just going to look at it and be like, well, your option is to do this or do this. Both those options are pretty bad. Uh, oh, and look, and we're dead. Oh, okay, let's try and build something else. Oh, no, that didn't work, and we're dead again. <laughs> uh, well, you might as well. You could try uh, Save My Deck as a uh, deck series, I suppose. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I think that one was just beyond recognition. I mean, that was. I think that's one of the rare, like, sealed pools, like the, the 5% that are just incapable of doing anything. Um, oh, Finkel could have won with it. I mean, very possibly. Uh, I'm certainly not anywhere up there. Uh, with those guys, but it was it was pretty bad, and it would have been an uphill battle, uh, to say the least. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, uh, I guess that kind of wraps up the podcast for this week. That covers it all. Yep. So stay tuned and join us next week, and we will hit you with more news and prices of all the goings-on. Until then, goodbye. Later, guys. <laughs>